All right. So I just, uh, I've been giving uh, different talks every night this week, simply because I don't know why. Um, so I just put this one together. Um, in life, we often feel, uh, not often, but we can feel difficult emotions that um, are obviously really uh, challenging to hold. Um, everybody loves to hear the times when we feel upbeat, confident, happy, secure, uh, fulfilled, and, um, and so it can be very easy to report those. It can be very easy to say fine to every time somebody asks us how we feel um, or how we're doing. But there's also, of course, emotional states that are less easy the loneliness, the sadness, lack of fulfillment or feeling a lack of, uh, of uh, purpose, directionlessness, a sense of uh, 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 frustration, despair, shame, all those emotions that are, um, that are really difficult to report. And um, there's no such a thing as life without the entire emotional range. There's no such a thing as attaining a state where these emotions don't arise and pass. People sometimes think that the, the Buddha taught that Nibbana uh, or Nirvana uh, or enlightenment was a state where there wouldn't be any loneliness or sadness or uh, fear. But that's not what he actually said, he taught that there was always going to be the first noble truth experiences, the frustrations, the not, the, the, the enlightenment doesn't alleviate so much the inevitable experiences in life as what it does is um, alleviate the, the, the second arrows, the, all the agitation and the the taking it personally and the the uh, the personalizing of these emotions and and experiencing them as as uh, there's something wrong with me there's something wrong with my life I'm doing something wrong I feel loneliness I feel I feel sad I feel agitated I feel despair what have I done wrong I must have made some wrong choice and of course you just there is no magical place where all forms of loneliness or um, uh, frustration have been banished. But um, <clears throat> what happens is we do um, find these states to be particularly unbearable. One, because societally they are unmirrored by others. It's easy, for example, when, <coughs> when um, we are in a new relationship and people go, oh, how's that new relationship you're in? And it's easy to say, well, I'm excited, it's great, I'm really happy. But the feelings of being frightened and wanting to run because it's vulnerable, those feelings can be very difficult to express. It doesn't it doesn't match the sort of hallmark cards of, of uh, what you're 
the expectant, the, what is presented to us in all cultural hegemonic you know, uh, outlets is this is the way you are supposed to feel. You're not supposed to feel when uh, your aged parents are very, are, who have been sick for a long time and then finally a parent dies. People come when I do one-on-one -on -one work and they immediately want to report the sadness and the, the lamentation, which is understandable, but those are also the emotions we expect people to feel. But there can be this real presence of a sense of relief when somebody who's been suffering, uh, who's been ill for a long time, finally passes, and it can be very difficult to express that. So life has complicated, messy emotions that don't fit the plan, that don't fit the scheme. And um, so uh, there can be, over time, uh, there's this feeling that there's something wrong whenever we have these emotions, these feelings, these things that we don't like to feel. So at first what happens is <coughs> when these messy emotional states arise, we look for what the Buddha called um, kamasavas, which are, in essence, distractions. When we feel lonely, we might hit Facebook, send up a selfie, <laughs> and everybody feels, yes, you look really hot. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you're stunning. You look hot. And they all go, Really? <laughs> so we're looking for that hit of... Uh, and then when we feel uh, unloved, we might seek the quick fix of achievement. Look what I did. You know, it's... Look at what I've accomplished in the world. When we feel sadness or anger, people often turn to alcohol um, or other um, uh, chemicals that will make it go away. When we feel lack of fulfillment, people often turn to shopping, bargain hunting on the Internet, finding, looking for that thing that will fill us up, that fill that space of emptiness. When we feel... Uh, people who feel insecure often turn to hoarding. They can't get rid of uh, anything they buy because there's this feeling of letting go of something reminds them of, of uh, that nothing, that no state lasts. And so hoarding addresses feelings of insecurity. And all of these solutions are, are as the Buddha said, uh, they're very short-term and we're dumped back in the unwanted, dysphoric, emotional state. And we're left feeling uh, disappointed. And the circle can, the cycle, I should say, can speed up. We can be driven to more and more shopping, more and more hunting for uh, sex or for um, drugs or for... Uh, driven to constantly check our social media and our Twitter and all that, constantly trying to address the feelings of loneliness, um, fear, insecurity. A big one in our culture is boredom. Nobody's allowed to feel bored. If you feel bored, you are a failure. 
You're not allowed to. You, one thing you're not allowed to say in the world is, how are you doing? You can say, ah, I'm a little sad today. People won't freak out. But if you say, yeah, I'm bored in life, they'll go, ah, ah stay away from me. I might catch it. So um, another, though, uh, operation that the mind does, and I'm, I'm focusing a little bit more on this tonight, is the... Uh, <clears throat> the crusade, the crusade, which goes something along the lines of, um, if I only had a real intimate relationship, I would never feel loneliness again. If I had a high-paying career, I would never feel financial insecurity again, or any other form of insecurity. If I wrote that book, there would be no feelings of you know, lack of fulfillment ever again. If I only had a better apartment, I wouldn't feel crowded in by everybody and their demands. If I had a child, I would have a purpose. This is turning into a George Carlin routine. Right? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I sort of felt like George Carlin. I so... Uh, there's this idea that there's something out there, there's something missing, that if I get it, that will be the magic bullet, the solve, the fix, the elixir. I'm running out of synonyms. <laughs> <laughs> but you get the idea, we're looking for that thing that we can somehow consume by a choir that can make uh, the vulnerability to these unwanted emotions uh, will make them go away. So uh, it can be when we then experience again and again in life a return to these unwanted states of loneliness, frustration, despair, it can then once again point us in the direction of this supposed lack this big thing that we're missing, that if we only had it, uh, it we wouldn't ever have to feel this way. And um, the mind loves the simplicity of this. It feeds into the reward systems of the brain. The reward systems of the brain is not set up to go... Loneliness? Oh dear, I should face that and investigate it. Like, <laughs> it's not the way your, your brain was set up. You feel something, you go out, you hunt it, you kill it, and you drag it back to your cave. <laughs> so we love the, the dopamine rush, the reward rush of there's something out there that will solve all this. And sometimes... I should say, not sometimes, the bulk of the time, this is not an explicit, you don't ever say these things out loud, they're implicit. We implicitly begin, which means unconsciously, we begin to act and from our actions believe that if only I had the relationship or the apartment or the child or the better job or wrote the book or painted the painting or whatever it is I haven't done, if only I did that, that, that thing would somehow 
be the difference, that I wouldn't have to be feeling these feelings. And um, I work with, of course, this all the time. And um, so many of um, the people I've worked with over the years come with this story of there's this one thing missing. And if I can help them get it, then it'll all go away. The human experience with its messiness and its loneliness and its sadness will be resolved. And they don't particularly, all wonderful people, but nobody particularly wants to hear that married people feel loneliness too. That people who have written books feel unfulfilled. (coughs) That people who have high-paying jobs still feel a great deal of insecurity. That people who... Uh, accomplish things in certain domains still feel at times unlovable that people who uh, that uh, no matter how fascinating and interesting your career is boredom still arises when we get into this space of I need this thing then no, we don't want to hear that eh. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be nice, but it's not going to, you're still going to get the whole human package. And, you know, if you find, if you find from your childhood the experience of separation to be agony, even if you get in a relationship, you're still going to have to work through that. You're still going to find times of separation agonizing. You're going to have to work through it. There's no way that any one thing's going to come in your life and address a history of um, of uh, unmet needs in certain uh, areas. If you didn't get emotional tolerance from your parents, no amount of satisfaction or achievement in the world will make that go away. We have to work through it. But um, And then what happens, this is my favorite part, is when we do go on these crusades, when we do become in contact with the thing that we believe might be the very fabric of our salvation. That's not my phrase, by the way. Don DeLillo, who's a good writer, used that phrase, fabric of salvation. That's when you know you're, in the, you're reading a good writer when they use a phrase like that. So anyway, uh, I'm not going to say that phrase four times within one sentence. So anyway, uh, <coughs> so anyway, When we get around, you know, if we feel that we need a relationship and we're single and that will be the thing that solves us, and so then we're in a situation where we meet somebody, then, because we've brought craving, this is going to be the, that's what craving is, this is going to be the thing that solves, fixes, makes me feel whole, fulfilled, uh, you know, complete, this will be the thing that makes me invulnerable to emotional states, this will be the thing that makes me feel uh, that I'm secure from here on. So you get around somebody who seems kind of cute, and suddenly you can't say a fucking word. Because they don't have to just, you don't have to just have to have a nice conversation. You've got to save your entire fucking life in that conversation. <laughs> oh, shit! I just said something that's not funny. Oh, Fuck, I've blown it all. There goes my chance of happiness sailing off into the... I mean, who can function with that pressure? So we bring this agenda of, you know, this has got to be the fix. This has got to be the, you know, 
I haven't been in a serious relationship in four years, and if I don't find one now, I'm never going to... How am I going to explain? What's it going to look like? Who am I going to become? I'm always going to feel lonely. So bringing that whole agenda, the craving agenda in, means that we are kind of screwed when we actually meet somebody who's kind of nice. Because when you come into a conversation... Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody like that? Oh my God, you can't get away. Even though you feel a little sad, you're like... <laughs> you're tiptoeing out of the room. Because that you know, you, we all know unconsciously what, what's happening, which is no one can deliver on that amount of demands. Nobody can. So what happens eventually is that uh, one out of two things can play out, uh, or a few more, but the two most popular outcomes is if we come in with a craving energy, like, oh, if only I had this better job, or this wrote this book, or did this thing, then we become very hypercritical when we're writing the book. It's not good enough. It's not the great American novel. This is not fucking Faulkner. What the fuck is the matter with me? Fuck me! Why do you even bother? Nobody's going to say I'm the greatest writer ever with this shit. I'm screwed. You know, you meet somebody and then they're not like the, the, the most overwhelming on a consistent moment-by-moment basis human being you've ever met. And you're like, man, there's something wrong with that person. I knew it all the time. I, I felt bored at one point. They must be... We had a conversation. They were boring. That's it. I just threw in the towel. <laughs> and so, but if we do anyway push through that and then we wind up in the relationship or you write the book or you uh, paint the painting or get the apartment or get the new job or whatever it is you do, then it doesn't live up to the expectations because three days later you feel sad, disappointed, frustration, despair, agony, whatever. And then it's like, their fault. They didn't fix me. Mm-hmm. Again, I knew it. There was something wrong with them. I'll have to keep searching. And that's the nature of, uh, that's the nature of craving. The Buddha said in the Ratapala Sutta that all the world isn't big enough to fill our craving. And so sometimes we might get the apartment and we're like, oh, I can't look for another apartment but instead of feeling satisfied, there's like, well, I gotta get nice furniture, then you get nice furniture, then I gotta get a baby, because this nice furniture is not. <laughs> <laughs> and so craving can go on and on that way too. So you see, there's never a, there's never a moment when they because the problem is is that with craving we're trying to fill something in here that's inevitable emotional states was something out there that will only have a very short-term distraction period before we're returned back to the feelings in here. So it's, it's a process that leads over and over and over again to dissatisfaction. This is what the Buddha called seeing dukkha in all things. It's seeing that all things that we crave will inevitably, if we bring craving to them, 
uh, will be unsatisfactory. The Buddha never said that other people and iPads or iPods or iPhones or whatever, he never had a sutta called the iPhone is bad. He simply <laughs> said that if we bring craving to anything, it won't satisfy us. We can, of course, enjoy things, but if we bring that sense of the fixed demand, then we will be unsatisfied. So, um, the solution... La solution in French is um, <laughs> okay. That's just retarded. All right. Let's <laughs> All right. Clearly, I, I might be having a stroke at this moment, but uh, <laughs> okay. So, so um, the first is. Uh, the key is understanding that all emotional states are inevitable rather than going off on these hunts to get rid of them. What we do is we find uh, the support that uh, can hold um, and, and mirror it. Unlike our parents or the people that we were around in our childhood, we find uh, safe containers for every emotional state. Sometimes that might require a therapist, but you can also, you don't, it's not necessary. We might just find it here in this community if we try hard enough. The, the problem is in life, um, we generally understandably look for mirroring with the people who are nearest and around us. Uh, it's, it's natural that we would do that when we're children and as we're growing up. But as adults, the one thing that we can do is if people don't, give us what we need, which is a safe container for every emotion, not just the popular emotions, but the difficult emotions, we can keep on looking. We can keep on hunting. We can keep searching. If we don't find it in this community, we can look in that community. If we don't find it in this group, we can find it in that group. Now, when we're young and we go to school and you're in high school and maybe you're an intellectual or you're a boy and you're effeminate, but you know, the kids all want you to be macho. In that case, it's really fucking painful, right? But if we are adults, what we can do is we can demand, demand that we get the love that we deserve. We don't have to settle for the, the being pushed away, the rejection, the shaming, the blaming that we were subjected to earlier on in life. We can bring the fact that when we're in a new relationship, we still want to run. When we, we could bring that we've written a book, but we're not happy with it. We can bring, and people, when they are safe, they will not fix us. They will not say, okay, well, you're feeling lonely? I'll fix that. Here's what you do when you feel lonely. Here's what you do. You do this. Here's what I do. I go on Facebook, I take a, fa a selfie, <coughs> and, I, and I, I post the, the selfie. And people say how, much, how, how hot I am. And that makes it all go away. <laughs> okay. That's not what we need. We don't need somebody to fix or solve us. What we need is a safe place where we can simply express this, that what we're feeling and have it mirrored. And when we're mirrored, when somebody simply hears it and they meet our glance and they allow it, what happens is we become deactivated. The emotional state becomes less intense. 
We don't feel there's something wrong anymore. And while that can be done by having somebody normalize the emotion by going, yes, I feel that at times. I, I know I, I have my own form of loneliness. I know what, uh, what it feels like. What's really the most powerful thing is just hearing it and keeping someone's gaze and just allowing somebody to have a complete emotional state. And when we do that, we create the... Um, we don't create the craving energy, the craving agenda. The second is we need um, to create that safe container when other people aren't around, which means to be able to sit, not just as we, we do in our meditations where we just um, stay with the breath or do metta, but we have times when we are lonely and sad. And meditation is not a spiritual bypass to make those feelings go away. It's actually a time to greet these emotional experiences and to really embrace them in the sense of creating a vessel within which they can arise. The vessel is the body. The way they arise is by allowing the feelings in the body to arise and pass. We don't go into the stories. The story of being alone or angry or frustrated or sad or disappointed, you've played them out. They're not, that's not where the healing is. The healing is somatically in the, the sort of uh, the physical expression of each emotional state. So we create that. That's the second part. The third part is it's really important to have as well, it can't always be this hard work of sharing emotions and feeling emotions. If it was just that, it would, you know... It would, life would be a little bit heavy. I mean, it's, this is important stuff I'm talking about, and it's essential. There's no way around it, and, and God knows that's... I don't believe in God, but something knows. Some people know that I, I spent a lot of time working with this, giving people outlets to feel emotional states, but there's also something to be said by for self-soothing strategies, which are when we feel emotional states, to be able to alleviate them, rather than trying to make them go away. The difference is uh, 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 an addiction is when I feel unfulfilled, I shop. So that's what I'm trying to do is just get rid of the unfulfillment. When I feel lonely, I go on Facebook or you hook up with someone for quick sex or whatever it is that's the addictive quality is, is always um, something that obliterates the feeling. Uh, a soothing strategy doesn't obliterate. There's still the presence of sadness, loneliness, the emotional state. It just alleviates it enough that we can be with it. So things like a long bike ride, journaling, sitting in a warm room in the sun, having a warm cup of tea, playing a musical instrument, painting or drawing, doing gentle yoga, calling a friend and just hearing about their life. All these things create a more relaxed body that can allow us to be in times of sadness or times of loneliness without needing to run, without needing to make them go away. And this also undermines that craving energy. And finally... Equally important, the Buddha often talked about strategies of embracing life as it is. Whenever we find ourselves back in that, that narrative of, if only I had this, if only I had that, turn again and again 
the, the mind towards reflecting on the things that we do have already, inclining the mind towards gratitude, reflecting on things that we've done and, play, and, and not done in the sense of, you know, uh, 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 just the sort of hollow accomplishments of work, but really the friendships we've built up, the skills we've developed, the caring, the, the meditation practice, the compassion, all the virtue that we've shown to other people, the times that we've been gentle with ourselves, feeling gratitude for our spiritual practice, our spiritual behaviors, the behaviors that we have that transcend our programming, that transcend what, what we could have turned out if we just followed the narrow uh, programming of, of schoolyards and, and the bullies that we've encountered. Um, reflecting on times of serenity and peace that we've known. Reflecting on people who've shown up and care for us when we feel lonely. Reflecting for health. Believe me, you know, there, we tend to only, ref, only feel gratitude for health when we are sick. But really, it's amazing every day that I, I wake up and my body actually moves. It's, it's fucking brilliant because uh, when you think of it, we've got a gazillion different little subsystems and if any one of them fucks up, you're kind of screwed. You are, you know, and it's amazing that we, you know, you, every time I, I, I watch a show in biology, I turn into Woody Allen. I become a neurotic mess. <laughs> I have a that, and if that, that little thing fucks up, I'm dead. Holy shit. Really? <laughs> so gratitude. Inclining the mind away from the story of what we're missing towards the things of all we have. When we come to life from a place of abundance, we come to life with so much better states of ease and much more apparent states of... Uh, uh, we wind up being the kind of people that people want to be around. Rather than coming at things in the world with, fix me, we come at life and other people from a place of abundance, and that's a, a magical transformation. So I thank you for listening. I hope there was something worth uh, pondering somewhere in there. I'm going to turn off the... Uh